Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. The conversation that black fathers in the United States have with their sons over interaction with the United States police. Now, in the wake of the brutal beating by five Memphis police officers on Tyree Nichols, which resulted in the death of Mr. Nichols, and the firing of the five officers who also face murder charges. The issue of uh, the conversation we're having now is going to be black fathers have a conversation with their sons over how to engage U.S. police in the event the sons are faced with direct police scrutiny. And um, I speak to a black father about that conversation he had with his son, a conversation this father first shared with me on this program a number of years ago. My guest is Ron Miller. Mr. Miller has become a friend of mine over the years, vice president for online learning at Southwest Baptist University, former associate dean and professor at Liberty University, and president of the No Walls Ministry in Virginia. Ron served in the United States Air Force and leads the ronsreflections.net website. Ron, it's good to talk to you again. It's been far too long. We talked this morning, but I was really looking forward to this conversation because of the, the importance of what we're going to talk about, just to hear your voice, too. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. It's good to be back. Ron, what, what, was, what was your reaction? And then I'll ask you as well for your family's reaction, your son's reaction, uh, and, and response to the Memphis beating of Mr. Nichols by five city police officer, um, a black man beaten to death by five black officers. That's if they're found guilty of murder at the trial, but that's certainly been brought up. What was your What's your reaction to that? Well, as with a lot of people, the reaction was just one of being sickened by the fact that we're going through this yet again. Um, I am, a, I am a friend of law enforcement. My brother is in law enforcement, but you seem to have this culture in places. And the thing that's really uh, telling about this is that it doesn't matter the race of the officers. It just seems like there is a culture of, violence that seems to pervade these interactions and you wonder what happens in those situations is it a disregard for the individual uh, himself or, or herself uh you just, you just wonder what is it that causes them to to break and suddenly fail to acknowledge that this is a human being and that they being in a position of power and authority need to exercise that authority with uh, integrity. Yeah, it's shocking. It's shocking to and I. I saw as much as I could stand in that of that uh, that camera, that footage. Are encounters with police in the United States becoming more violent and confrontational? Is there a sense? Yeah, I don't know if there's a statistic, but we're not talking stats here. But do you have a sense? Is there a sense that the encounters with police in the U.S. are becoming more violent? Well, it's interesting because I think a lot has to do with um, the way these encounters occur in the first place. Um, we try to teach people at the collegiate level who are taking criminal justice the importance of de-escalation, the importance of facing these situations and doing everything in their power to bring the situation to a safe conclusion for all concerned. 
what you have a lot of, of times are people who come into these situations very agitated, very, uh, I guess, assuming of the worst, and then it just blows up from there. You talk about statistics, and everybody wants to use statistics, and you're right, it can't always be about statistics. Sometimes it's got to be about just the pervasive culture because this is something that happens multiple times. You've got to take a look at it and say, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. But there were some studies done that suggested that there were higher incidences of violence directed toward people of color by the police. And it does suggest that there might be less regard in those situations. And I know that's a controversial thing to say, but you know, I remind people that uh, a lot of the things that we saw in the history books about the civil rights movement, the, the, the ferocity with which people fought to maintain the status quo and the fact that law enforcement was often a vehicle that they used to try and hold on to the status quo. It was, it was in our lifetimes, at least my lifetime. I know I'm old, mine too. but it was, it was only a little more than 50 years ago mm-hmm. that the civil rights act of 1964 was passed. So to think that those kinds of attitudes disappeared overnight is not realistic. Yeah. I remember. And Sorry, so even with my optimism about the progress we've made, I've always been very clear uh, to my children, and particularly my son, that it's very important for them to conduct themselves in as, um, I guess, cooperative and almost a a subservient manner in order to protect themselves. So let's uh, follow up on that a bit. Um, The conversation black fathers have with their sons about how to engage police if there's a traffic stop, for example, and you're confronted with a police officer, maybe more than one, and they're challenging you, um, what did you what did you say to your son about this issue? And is this something that black fathers will routinely do at some point in their son's development, have that conversation with them? First of all, I think it's right. The talk, as we call it, does happen uh, in the black community. And for my, in my case, it was spurred by the fact that my son made a comment about being out in public and that um, sometimes people will look at him and it's not a very favorable look because he's a, he's a quiet kid, but he's, he's, he's big. Uh, and to some people, he might seem menacing. Um, and being biracial, it's, uh, it's not, readily, not readily apparent but they must know because they give him this look and all of that. And so I said, Hmm, that's interesting. And that's what kind of spurred me to say, you know, if you ever find yourself in a situation where you are stopped by the police or you're encountered by the police, you know, you know, always do what they ask and make sure your hands are visible to them at all times and move very slowly and deliberately when asked to move. Um, and just, follow the directions because you don't want the situation to escalate. And he took that advice to heart, has not had to have any issues like that. Thank God. But um, now he knows that that is something that uh, he has in his toolkit. And when the time comes uh, and he has children, they recently recently married. So hopefully that's not too far away. Um, I hope that by the time they're old enough, uh, they won't have to have that talk anymore. How does it um, make you and other black fathers feel that you have to have that conversation? And 
It's been uh, made an issue that in Memphis, the police officers were all black. Um, their victim was uh, is black or was black, and uh, mm-hmm. and that's been an issue that's been raised. Uh, I don't know if that actually sh- is is should be part of the conversation. Now you you tell me what you think, but how does it how does it feel to know that you have to make that have to have that conversation with your son? Well, it just tells me that we have work to do, and I'm always about offering ideas for solutions rather than just pointing out problems. And so, as you know, being in higher education, uh, I'm very supportive of the idea of uh, educating our police officers because we do have empirical evidence that shows that um, when an officer has a college education, they are much more likely to de-escalate situations and they are much more effective in community policing. In other words, being uh, supportive of the community. And we, we know we need law enforcement. As James Madison said, if men were angels, no government would be necessary. But we need to be able to train them. And then the second thing is we need to look at how we are recruiting people for positions in law enforcement. Now, are we going to uh, uh, recruitment? Are we doing good screening? Are we doing the kinds of things that we need to do in order to ensure that we're not bringing people into the force that may have some troubling tendencies? Um, and that there's been some, there's been some evidence in some of these situations where these violent occurrences were not the first times that these people have done it. And to me, that would be a warning flag. The first time it happens, this is a person that needs to be screened, needs to be evaluated. So these are practical things that I think people can do. You know, I'm not one of these people that's going to make the case that law enforcement is not necessary. But I also believe that we need to govern them accordingly because when you have the state-sponsored power to use violence to achieve your ends, that just raises the level of responsibility and accountability you have. Yeah. Um, and so they just have to be able to do something about that. And as to your point about the officers being black, it makes me wonder, is there a culture in policing, regardless of what your background is, that leads you to believe that you can apply that kind of violence in a situation, uh, and it's acceptable? Um, police brutality is police brutality, regardless of who commits it. And as I said just a few minutes ago, they have to be better than that because they have to be more accountable because of the responsibility they've been given. Yeah. So, Ron, a question that I that I have is uh, I haven't had the opportunity to talk to your son, but you've talk, told me many things about him over the years. What was his response to what happened in Memphis? I think he was troubled by it. Um, I, almost the resignation, if you will. But here it is again. And it's almost like we take a few steps forward. We go a few years. And then we get this flashpoint, and it sets us back to where we were before. I, I often think about the fact that you go back to Rodney King back in mm-hmm. 1992. Yeah. And then it's quiet for a while. And then you have another incident. And it's quiet for a while. You have another incident. And so I think he's been around long enough to have seen this pattern that seems that no matter how quiet it might be, all of a sudden something like this bursts into the national, the national consciousness, and here we are again having this conversation that we've had many times before. And I think resignation would be a good way to describe his 
his mindset because again, it's it's happened again, and we still don't seem to have figured out uh, how to keep it from happening ever again. What was his reaction to you having that talk with him? Not, I'm assuming you didn't do it in the last couple of days, but when you did, no. when you did have that conversation, what was his response? He's a good kid, and he just responded uh, very positively and basically said he would uh, be very careful and very cautious. Um, he's always been someone uh, who's been respectful of authority, um, uh, whether he was playing sports or in the classroom and all of that. And so I think he saw my advice as being uh, coming from a place of love and concern. And I know that even in a situation where he would be dealing with law enforcement, even if I had not given him that advice, I can only picture him being respectful and, and uh, of the authority that he was confronted with. I just wanted to be sure that he was thinking of every step, every word, every movement. I just wanted to be assured of that. Yeah. This, this, these situations cannot continue. And I don't know how you stop it. I know I have ideas, but they're just ideas. But they have to stop because they fuel fury and, and, and they have the potential to severely damage society. And it just, it just cannot continue. But how, how, Ron, how does this stop? I mean, you, you, when you look at that video, you just, it, it just takes your breath away to see the kind of gratuitous violence that was displayed by five police officers to serve and protect, by five police officers on one young man who was calling for his mother. He couldn't call the police because they were beating him. He was calling for his mother. Well, aside from the things I mentioned before about better screening and better training uh, leadership, you, know, you have to have leadership that emphasizes the community aspect. And I'm a fan of the idea of community policing because it's very difficult for you to commit that kind of violence against someone that you know, if that makes any sense. It does. And one of the things that community policing seeks to do is get them out of the squad cars and away from their desk and into the community that they're serving so that they get to know the people and at the same time, they get to know what situations require uh, more of their attention than others. Okay. The other thing, too, is my understanding is this was a, a unique unit that they formed. Yes, yes. And having been in the military, I've often wondered if we are converting too many of our police forces into paramilitary units. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.